calling a couple of more races before the hour is over on this election day. I'm them. just about ready to go on North Carolina, Carolina 78th District. <laughs> I don't even think they have that many, but uh, sure. Um, but boy, we got a big show planned for you tomorrow. Um, and we'll have all the results from all over, and we'll talk about it, and we'll uh, listen to you on the text line, so that'll be fun. But first of all, what a pleasure this is to welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Dan Balls of the Washington Post, their chief correspondent covering national politics, the presidency, and Congress. Bit of a big day today, Dan. It's election day. Had you heard? Uh, you know, somebody mentioned it on my way into the <laughs> office today, but I, I, hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it. We're not really into the whole predicting who's going to win or not, or how do you tell if a blue wave is yeah, coming. There's I, been plenty of that. I figure I'll just wait until it's over, and then go ahead and look at it then. And you guys are very smart. I, I give you credit. And dissected at that point. But um, how much it is, is it about Trump? I've always thought it was overstated that these midterms, you know, they, they look, the, any election being a referendum on the president, because local issues are often so big, and the national media misses the local issue for that race. But this one does seem a little different. Yeah, I do think this is different. I, I, I do think that all midterm elections, particularly the first one in a new presidency, uh, is mostly about kind of how people feel about the state of the country. I think what's different about this one uh, is that it is much more about how people feel personally about President Trump uh, and the effect he has had on the state of the country. And that cuts both ways, obviously. I mean, you've got a, you know, you've got a very strong economy, um, which which makes it unusual for a wave election to be in the offing. And I'm not predicting what the results are going to be, but, you know, we've heard so much about a potential blue wave. At the same time, we have, you know, the lowest unemployment rate we've had in a long time and, and wage growth now in this this last uh, employment report that came out on Friday. And so, you know, you've got this tension between uh, people feeling very good about the economy and a lot of people not feeling very good about the president. And that's the most interesting tension uh, in this midterm. And I think it's what makes it unique. We're highly skeptical of the man on the street interview or the anecdotal uh, interview or a piece of evidence here and there. But the number of people who have said, I voted for Trump, but I just can't take his tone is striking. And it's also striking that he actually spoke to that. I think it was this morning saying if there's one thing he could have changed, probably it'd be tone. Well, he's, you know, he's said that before, but uh, he hasn't really changed on that. So I think the news out of Dan Balls. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the, the idea that he's going to fundamentally, you know, change his personality, um, I think, is a stretch. Um, the point you make is correct, which is that there's almost nobody who, you know, likes the tone that he often takes or the way he uses Twitter or the way he attacks people. I think that the question is how many of those people still will vote Republican or uh, two years from now? If he runs for re-election, how many people will vote for him? I think there are a lot of Republicans that I have talked to over the last you know year and a half who preface almost everything by saying, you know, I really wish they would take that Twitter feed away from him or I don't like the way he talks sometimes. Uh, but many of them, um, if they voted for Trump, are still with Trump. Um, and I think that so you have to kind of separate that out. There are other people who, you know, who are revolted by that. And one of the reasons we have seen the kind of activism that we're seeing, not just this fall, but that we've seen for for months, uh, is that there are a lot of people who just feel that something needs to change and they have kind of gotten off the sidelines. And, you know, maybe they were 
you know, regular voters in the past or missed an occasional midterm, but they're out walking precincts or making phone calls and, and donating money in ways we have not seen in the past. And if that crowd doesn't get a win today, they are going to be really fired up. I've My theory is that Trump is better off if the Democrats take the House. One, he gets to run against the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi holding them back from all that is good. And uh, and two, there's at least a little of a, a valve release of pressure. Man, another all red win. Dems would be so fired up, Trump wouldn't have a chance. That's just my opinion. Well, or they would be so demoralized that he would have a chance. <laughs> I, th- I think that that's a, that's an open question. If uh, if Democrats are so confident at this point that they will take control of the House, um, they need a net pick up of 23 seats, as you know, um, they're confident that they will get that. And the question is, how much more than 23 will they get? I mean, and, and if you talk to Democratic strategists, that's the that's the discussion going on. And a lot of Republicans, frankly, don't disagree with that. Um, but I, I've never been of the theory that uh, you win by losing in politics. I mean, I think that, you know, if, you know, if, Every time if people go out and vote, you want them to vote for whichever party you are in. If you're the president, you want you want that House to stay in Republican hands because, um, yes, he can run against the Democrats, but they can do a lot of things with the power that they will have, even if it's a small majority, um, to do investigations and to kind of frustrate uh, the president. And we don't know how he would respond to that. We don't know. Uh, whether he will actively seek to work with a Democratic House if there is one uh, come January. Uh, we don't know whether uh, the, the, a Democratic House would get under his skin in ways that would you know, make him you know, decide he's not going to work with them and really start attacking them and, and create you know, or widen the very wide divisions we, we currently have. So you know, he, it, it's a bit of an open question as to how he will respond to what happens. Well, I could see it being a little of both, and whichever way it is, or both ways, it'll be much more starkly described by the president than is you know, generally expected. I'm sure he will describe in intimate detail when they're being helpful and, and when they're not. But back to your point, because, Jack, I get your release valve theory, and it's, it's a good one, but, Dan, you point out, you know, if a team loses once or twice, they band together. Come on, guys. But if they lose repeatedly, I don't care whether it's a sports team or a radio show or a newspaper, then you get the backstabbings and the pointing fingers and the blames and the rest right. of it, so... You know, if, if 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 the House stays red, it could be a real uh, shockwave for the Democrats. We're talking so with Dan Balls of the Washington Post. I think a lot of people, I'm surrounded by a lot of uh, progressives, and I know they've all felt like, you know, the, the old guard is done, and we're ready to move on to the Kamala Harris's, the Cory Booker's, the Gavin Newsom's of the world. But I'm hearing talk of Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi hanging on to the speakership. Are we going to go with another round of 80-year-olds? Well, uh, we we well might go with eighty year olds or close to eighty year olds. I mean, she's uh, she is a very skillful politician, and I don't think anybody should underestimate her ability to count the votes in the House. Um, she's given no indication that she thinks um, that she would uh, lose a fight for Democratic leader and Speaker if the Democrats have the majority. There are a lot of 
candidates who have run for, you know, who are running for the House who have said they will not vote for Nancy Pelosi. Uh, they might not vote for her when the Democrats as a caucus come together to pick a new leader. Um, but I would guess that if she emerges from that successfully, and I think there are a lot of people who, who think she will, uh, I think a lot of the people who said I won't vote for her will say, well, I didn't vote for her, but um, now the vote is, you know, Republicans versus Democrats, and I'm with the Democrats, and I'm going to vote for her on the floor of the House, um, and therefore she she would be Speaker. Um, but, there, you know, there is a question about, about the aging leadership of the Democrats. I mean, you can see it in the House, uh, the Senate to a slightly lesser extent, but not, you know, not hugely. Um, I mean, the top three leaders in the House uh, among the Democrats are all in their uh, mid to late 70s. Then you look at, you know, the potential Democratic field for president, uh, which includes a lot of younger people, some of whom you've mentioned. And Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warden and Bernie Sanders. And, and Bernie Sanders, you know, and, and Elizabeth Warren is the youngest of those three, and she's, what, 69. So um, so that is a that, I think, is a big issue for Democrats um, after this election as they begin to think about what kind of a party they're going to be, you know, in 2019, and particularly what kind of a nominee they're going to put up in 2020. Dan Balls of the Washington Post, chief political correspondent. Dan, this is more a, a gut-feeling thing than anything quantifiable, but how big a mistake was what I would call the character assassination of Judge Kavanaugh in front of the Senate? And uh, call it whatever you want, but that controversy, how energizing has it been to Republicans? Well, it certainly helped Republicans in some places, um, and it probably helped Republicans in some of the red state Senate races where they're trying to defeat incumbent Democrats. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it, it also energized some Democrats who who very much believed uh, Christine Blasey Ford in her accusations against uh, now Justice Kavanaugh. Uh, so it. But the Democrats had had more energy going, you know, throughout this year. Um, this this tuned up Republicans. But you know, it's it's like a lot of things that we've experienced in politics over the last, you know, not just two years, but five years or ten years. Uh, things don't last as long as they once did, and the controversy of today uh, fades from people's memories pretty quickly. And so. Um, I don't what remember what seen. we're talking about now. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, Somebody you're... said it's election day. I just want to remind yeah. you of that. <laughs> you're, uh. you're so right, Dan. Hey, a, a, a quick question about the House. Uh, whichever way uh, the election goes, um, uh, Paul Ryan retiring, is it going to be Kevin McCarthy or, uh, or Steve Scalise? I don't know. Uh, I think it will partly depend on what the what the outcome of the totality of the the races are tonight and tomorrow and um, what the shape of the Republican caucus looks like. Um, you know, you'd have to say Kevin McCarthy is the favorite in that. But, um, you know, th- these are these are complicated times. And so we'll see how re- Republicans respond and what that Republican conference looks like. Um, it's going to be a more conservative conference than it was in the last Congress. Um, so, um, We'll see. I'm watching the Florida governor race. If the uh, if the Democrat wins, does that mean the Democrats are more likely to run a you know near socialist time can- type candidate against Donald Trump? Well, I think it will embolden uh, the progressive wing of the party um, and say that if it, that if a a candidate can win in Florida with as progressive a uh, platform as Andrew Gillum has stood for. Uh, 
that that is and and that that is perhaps the most you know the most purple of the swing states um nobody has won that very easily over the last you know four or five elections um i guess with the exception of obama in 08 he had a decent margin but basically this is a state that is you know very very tight if gillum can win on that basis um it will say something about the the message he has put forward i think it will also say something uh if if he wins that. It will say something about Ron DeSantis, the Republican nominee. I was just going to ask, how good a candidate is he? Well, you know, I mean, he's a decent candidate, but I mean, he has he has completely strapped himself to Donald Trump, as almost no candidate in the country has done. So it will tell you a little bit about kind of how people feel about um, President Trump and and politicians who seek to emulate him you know to the nth degree that seems like such a bad idea you can't be trump trump is his own thing yeah and uh trying to be trump light is just never going to work anywhere i don't think yeah I, of course we're talking about florida dan and florida is the national bird or the uh, state bird is strange the straight <laughs> song is uh, strange the state animal is odd what almanac have you looked at? <laughs> I've been to Florida, sir. So it's oh, a, a, okay. <laughs> one final question for me. The um, presidential election starts tomorrow, and is that going to be all we hear for the next two years? Oh, geez, I hope not. Uh, I hope but, not either. But but, uh, but I would say don't turn on cable if you don't want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah, can we all pause to enjoy Are the Super Bowl? Are you guys taking a vow not to talk about it for like a month or six weeks? Or You know, or... we try, Dan. We try so hard. <laughs> well, I wonder how quickly Gavin Newsom, new governor of California, I'm guessing, uh, tips his hat that uh, that's what his eye's on. So we'll see. Well, he's got he's got a lot of competition just within the state. So sure, uh, good point. Well, as an astute observer of these sort of things uh, in D.C., Dan, what sort of national profile does Newsom have? I don't think he has much of a national profile yet, um, because you know he hasn't you know he hasn't been elected as governor. But the minute he becomes governor, he'll begin to have a national profile. Sure, he'll be on Meet the Press and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. 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 Um, and part of it will be the the extent to which he decides to seek a national profile. Um, you know, there's some there's some governors. I mean, I, I remember when when Jeb Bush got elected governor of Florida. Now he he obviously was going to be a national figure because you know of his brother and his father. But uh, he did not go out of his way to be a national figure. He he focused on Florida, um, and I would think that Gavin Newsom. You know, he's got enough to do in Sacramento for the time being, um, but he may, you know, he may want to be part of the national debate about the state of the Democratic Party. You know, I admire Jeb Bush because he kept that theme going in his campaign. <laughs> I'm not going to be a national figure. <laughs> Dan Balls of the Washington Post. Dan, you've been more than generous with your time. We always enjoy a chance to chat. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Great. Thanks. I think Gavin Newsom probably will be on Kimmel tomorrow night. <laughs> I, I never even think about that, you know. Living on the on the West Coast, Gavin Newsom has been a high profile figure for so long. Oh yeah, it's like the rest of the country doesn't know who he is. Right, right. He's starting from scratch with most of the country. Although he he is the absolute on paper central casting Democrat candidate. Yeah. He's the governor of a state. He's youngish. He still looks young. He, he's handsome. He he speaks progressive. Quite capably, he can pass himself off as a moderate yeah. because he used to be one. Um, he was a businessman. He's got yeah, that going for him. Exactly, exactly. A restaurateur. Yeah, he could be tough. But but as Balls pointed out, uh, he's got good competition in his own state. Because Kamala Harris ain't gonna give that up.
right? Easily. Right. Oh, I'd like to see some good infighting there. And she does have a national profile, so. Because of all her, uh, you know, going after people in the various committee hearings and stuff like that. Yep. Interesting. Hmm. Yep. We could take a vow tomorrow. Let's do that tomorrow. At some point, we got to make some sort of vow about how much we're going to talk about the 2020 presidential election race, how long we'll hold off or something. Maybe we put it in a corral. Thursdays for a half an hour, we can talk. And that's it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, how's your polling place looking? Our text line's 415-295-KFTC. Joe's about to call another race. Numbers just coming in. I'm ready to go on Rhode Island's third. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. My theory is that Trump is better off if the Democrats take the House. I've never been of the theory that you win by losing in politics. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. Races across the country as results come in with 1% reporting. Rhode Island's third was 1% in. I have Schmedkovich. Schmedkovich. I'm calling it for Schmedkovich. 1% in. He's got a 2% lead. Was he a Trump guy or uh, he's as Trumpy as they come? I gotcha. It's a referendum on Trump, you know. Um, political poll that came out just yesterday had it 43 to 40 Dems leading nationally which was tighter than any other. That's an outlier to me. It's tighter, a lot tighter than any other poll, but that's Politico's poll. And they had 17% undecided, Wow! which means anything could happen. So yeah. that's kind of exciting. Yeah, I saw a, uh, like a, uh, was it eight, an 8% gap on NBC this morning, but who knows? There's a poll all day long today. Yeah, and I'll see the results tonight or in the morning. Um, how much time have I got, Michael? Looks like I got plenty of time. Yeah. My son got a chemistry set yesterday, oh, yes. which he'd been wanting for quite some time. Guess what he wanted to do? Same thing every boy wants to do with a chemistry set. Set stuff on fire? Make something explode. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, mixed together some stuff that it did blow the popper off of his uh, test tube Uh-oh. all over the ceiling. He oh, was my God. so happy. Oh, he was so happy that he made it explode mostly because he gets to go to school today and tell his friends that he made something explode and wow. get stuff all over the ceiling. I didn't get mad about it because I thought, you know, this is one of the great moments of his life. <laughs> Son, perhaps we ought to read the directions. Yeah, he didn't want to read the directions. He did wear the goggles. As long as he's wearing the goggles, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like he's okay. There you go. Probably yeah. a mouth guard. He also... Cup. He also, on his own, over the weekend, challenged me to a foot race. He thinks he can now outrun oh. me. Which he may be able to do. I'm not positive. Did you cling to your illness as a reason to not participate? I think that's fair. Uh-huh. I'm on the IR. <laughs> but uh, as soon as I'm healthy, I will race him. I'd spend your downtime stretching, old man. And see if uh, the torch has been passed or not. Uh, I still think I can beat him, but I had to run as hard as I could last time. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, as the midterms wind down, Democrats looking at 2020. One old hand already talking about making a run. We'll give you an update on oh, that. Oh, boy. California's waving bye-bye to the state and good news for the planet and all of us. Well, that is happy news. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The thing with 
with my eight-year-old challenging me to a to a foot race, as I have been the fastest person in the family, right, and still hold the crown as far as I know. As I've looked at the chart, and his speed seems to be increasing with each passing day, whereas my speed seems to be decreasing with each passing day. So, in other words, I'd be better off racing him today than Friday. Right. Because I get slower every day, and he gets faster every day. Yeah, but look how much more weight you're hauling than him. I, how hard is it to run when you're 80 pounds? you got to remember, I ran a 12,900 meter. Yeah, well. Out here in the parking lot, the YouTube video exists. Hanson, have you ever seen the video of me running the 100 meter? Right. Um, so, uh, I've got that in my back pocket. That's 100 meters like I can hit a golf ball 400 yards. I think the shorter the race, the better. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think the longer it gets, my chances go down also. I should videotape that and post that, huh? Well, yes. Yes, it will either be very popular or extremely popular, depending on how badly it goes. (laughs) Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, the polls are indeed open in most of the U.S. for the midterm elections. Voting numbers are being shattered across America, we're being told. President Trump is reportedly going to be keeping close tabs on the voting throughout the day. He is going to be visiting the so-called war room his political team has set up for Election Day in the East Wing. The war room. I'm against that. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that name. I know Clinton came up with that in '92 right. or whatever. When you got soldiers at war and it's the commander in right. chief, how about we have dealing with that be the war room? And this is just freaking politics. The spin room or whatever you want to call it. All right, the spin room staffed with aides watching for results. The press secretary Sarah Sanders said the president and the first lady have invited a number of family and friends to watch the election results throughout the day in the residence. The 6th District of New Hampshire has gone Democrat oh, wow. for the 45th time in a row. Oh, okay. Mm. So it wasn't a surprise. No. Now, I would imagine... Dark blue. I yes, would... Sean? Uh, at one of the Trump rallies yesterday, Trump brought out Sarah Sanders on stage. Oh, really? She got a huge ovation. Oh, really? Yeah. Huge. Interesting. Interesting move, too. Your press secretary right. at, a, at, a, at a rally. He brought her out, brought Kellyanne Conway. He's, he brought right. up a bunch of women that, that had helped him out. He right. knows that was, yeah. showbiz. Right. And I would imagine the spin room is uh, stocked with Trump t- uh, treats like Big Macs and Diet Coke and KFC. <laughs> I would, I would and imagine. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking I would like Trump's spin room. Oh, yeah. I could hang out there. Oh, yeah. yeah a lot of gold good, fixtures. A lot of good food. Yes. McDonald's and KFC. A lot Probably. of velvet. <laughs> All right, my friends. Brace yourselves. 2020 begins tomorrow. Sure. Former Vice President Joe Biden seriously considering a run. Well, pretty clearly. After casting his ballot for the midterms in Delaware today, Biden was peppered with questions about a potential run. I have to make my decision what I'm going to do uh, after the first of the year. It will be a family decision. Biden's voice, as you can tell, was hoarse after the nonstop campaigning over the last few days in behalf of Democrats. Boy, with age and issue, he doesn't want to sound like that uh, very often. No. No. Jury selections begun in the Brooklyn Federal Court in the trial of Mexican drug lord Joaquin Guzman, who's known as El Chapo. Wait, do, we, do you want to serve on the jury convicting El Chapo? Do, uh, not so much. Do you have a choice as a juror? Can you say, look, I'm scared. Can you say that? Judge will try to lecture you and argue and yell at you, but you can just flake. I'd imagine, I don't know, I'd have to talk to a judge. How far would you go? Would you hold somebody in contempt? If they said, yeah, I could be fair, but I'm not going to be because I'm scared they're going to El Chapo my head off. I won't serve. Forget it. You can't make me. The uh, potential jurors are being identified by number, their names not being used in order to protect their safety. And once the 12 jurors and six alternates are chosen, 
They're going to be escorted to and from the courthouse by armed U.S. marshals. Oh, jeez. Boy, that's some just random jury duty you got. You know, you can end up with such minor cases that are a blip in your life, or you could end up on this one. Yeah. Where you're you're worried every single night of your life. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't end after you were finished with, you know, what you had to do. But, man, oh, man, oh, man. Turns out more people, as we've known for quite a while, more people are moving out of California than moving in. Sacramento Bee review of the latest census estimates show about 130,000 more residents left California for other states last year than moved from other states to California. Wow, 130 grand in a year. And I, mean, I would granted like granted there are you know 30 some million people. And yeah. I would like to hear the income breakdown of the people who left versus the people who came right. in terms of supporting the welfare state. Yeah, many reportedly leaving, as you're pointing out, due to the high costs in the region. Oh, God, we've talked to so many people, businesses and individuals who say, I move out of the state, I save this much, I save X. And the numbers are always amazing. Mm-hmm. Not to mention what your house costs somewhere and all that. All right. You know, the state's seen over 15 years of consecutive losses of residents to other states. 15 years. Up until and now, replenishing though. replenishing the humanity. Go ahead. Yeah, up until now, though, new immigrants... From other countries have picked up the population slack at this point. Got a new UN report that says the Earth's protective ozone layer is repairing itself as it recovers see, from the damage that was caused by chemicals in aerosol sprays it's and coolants. It's all fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. The layer protects the Earth from ultraviolet rays that have been thinning since the 70s. Governments worldwide agreed to phase out the chemicals that were damaging it, and now it is repairing itself and uh, will be completely repaired by 2030. Thank you, Mother Thank you, Mother Earth. Sorry for spraying ozone in your eyes for all those years. <laughs> that is a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Squawky on Election Day. You want to tell people how Squawky's dressed on Election Day? Oh, Squawky. Our, our bald eagle. Squawky is wearing an Uncle Sam yep. Tom hat, and in his talons he is clutching 13 arrows and an olive branch. Wow. Wow. Surrounded by red, white, and blue bunting. Yes, Fantastic. indeed. Loyal friend in peace, fearsome oh. adversary in war, eh, Squawky? Yeah, he almost got tangled up in the bunting. We had to uh, <laughs> we had to release him <laughs> from the bunting, right? Yeah. yeah. Been tragedy. Yeah. yeah. Ah, the of freedom right there. Do we buy new bunting every year, or does Sony take this down and save it till next year? No, I think this is new. This is I, brand I don't new think bunting. this is recycled, squawky, you know, crap's yeah. on it. Right, yeah. It gets pretty soiled. <laughs> so there's yet another generation to talk about if you're into that sort of thing, Xennials. What? Yeah, I know. You make this up? How are they voting today in Manhattan's 40th district? <laughs> Something. Go live to Jim. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I did see somebody in a looked like a uh, politics T-shirt said Lincoln 1860. I'll sport my impeach Van Buren T-shirt now and again. Uh-huh. <laughs> Could you wear that to a polling place? Since it's clearly a joke, but it's a political statement. Uh, 
Yeah, you could. You might be stopped by an oldster who would protest, and then you'd have an argument Van on your hands. Van was like Hitler. All right. Um, so if you're looking to argue with the old over a stupid principle, go ahead and do it. You know, I've decided I don't have the heart to do the Xennials thing because I hate talking about various generations. That's interesting. But they do point out that within the realm of people called millennials, which this says are 1981 to 96. Okay. I thought Delaney was born in 1999 was a millennial. So what is she? She's Generation Z then. I don't know. I'm going to have to change her tattoo because I believe you should be tattooed with the name of your generation. She's part of that generation that's the most stressed out generation ever, they think. Yeah, they are a little anxiety ridden. I'll tell you that. I you try to them tell them, gen- relax. Generation Z. Yeah. But they point out, as we pointed out many times, that, um, you know, 1981 to 1996 is a hell of a range and a hell of a lot of ages. And according to this, if you were born between 77 and 85, you're an exennial. And they point out that your life is very, very different from somebody. Who was born afterward? Hey, sure. that's me. Sure, I'm an exennial. There yeah. you go. Exennials were already in the workforce when the recession hit. Millennials were just in school or starting to look for the first job. Also, having had some life before social media hit, too, I think is that's my next point. Indeed, a defining characteristic. Many exennials made it through their childhood and teen years without social media. No Facebook. No MySpace. Many millennials, on the other hand, had MySpace and Facebook accounts before entering college. Um, you know, then they talk about nine eleven. Exennials didn't get cell phones until their twenties. Millennials were given cell phones as kids or teens. So you know, that's a pretty big change. Further illustrating the uselessness of the generation thing, but also my. Then finally, this overall, Exennials' parents were more relaxed than Millennials' helicopter parents. One writer characterized the helicopter parenting style as, quote, achievement-obsessed upper-middle-class parents who cared so much about their children's comfortable excellence that they did everything they could to ensure it. Made their kids crazy. (laughs) Comfortable excellence. That'd be a good way to make a kid crazy. Yeah, yeah. And a final note for me that I find at least as interesting is we posed this question, I think it was yesterday, what happened to the last caravan or two? How'd that end up? Right. Well... Um, of the several hundred caravan members who applied for, who hit the border in m- early May. 700. Right. Keeping in mind that however. Se- well, several hundred. I'm not sure how many it was ultimately. But however many thousand come every week. At this point, three have won their asylum cases. Not 300, three. Two have lost. According to Pueblo Sin Fronteras. Homes without borders. The rest may have a year or more before their cases are over, depending on where in the U.S. they're living. The immigration court backlog of more than 760,000 cases nationwide varies widely between courts, according to data from the people who keep this data. We have a backlog of more than three-quarters of a million cases. Now, we're so used to in America to throwing around big numbers, whether it be the budget or the deficit or the number of people or whatever, 760,000 cases. Picture if you had to clear 10,000 legal cases. That would be a monumental task. You'd never get it done. We have 760,000. One caravan member who's already won his asylum case, Edgar, a 19-year-old from Honduras, spent the entirety of his case nearly six months held at Ote Mesa Detention Center. He didn't like the way he was treated, either. Mm. 
They treated us like criminals, the same as they would treat drug traffickers. Well, you sneak into a country, you you know, you're, it's not staying at the Four Seasons. Uh, let's see, then more on Edgar's story. I don't care about Edgar's story, really. Through, uh, though the spring caravan at some point in its trek across Mexico numbered more than 1,000 migrants, many split off from the main group before it reached the border, and a little under 250 people were processed at the San Ysidro port of entry the beginning of May. 250. You think it was a good move for Trump to emphasize the caravan the last week or so, as opposed to the economy? I don't know. I don't know. I'd be guessing. Well, that's I, what I I'm asking you to do. <laughs> well, I, I'd have, I, I would have liked... I think immigration is always a hot-button issue, and he'd be a fool not to invoke it for conservative voters. You have to. Um, but I'd like to hear him hit the uh, the economy more and explain how it could end quickly yeah, I have and what would happen. You'll get laid off from your new job. Who was I listening to yesterday? Somebody had a, a good explanation of how Trump could have explained the economy. Go through the numbers. Um this, 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 this is how many regulations that have been turned back. A Democratic Congress could they could go the other direction, you know, really nail it down. Do you want it to continue to or do you want it to it. end? Uh, not just, um, you know, the big slogan overlines, but just the, the actual uh, sell the particulars of it. And he came close to this. But how powerful would it have been if for the last two weeks he'd have said, listen, I understand like a, that I come off as a jerk sometimes and I come off as a loudmouth. I'm a brawler. I'm from Manhattan. I'm a real estate developer. I really just want what's best for the country. If I've offended you, I'm sorry. I'm a brawler. Um, but, I, you know, I love this country like you do, and I want your kids to have a great future. And just play the sincerity card. Try it. Do you think he's got that in him? I Somebody would have to write it for him. That could have, <laughs> that could have affected 3 4% easily, if not more. Yeah, among the much-discussed, uh, what are they being called? Panera moms. Uh, your suburban-educated uh, women's. But he'd have to go to the store and buy a different deck. That's not a card he has, really. If you're undecided to a pollster this close, aren't you a nut job? What are you? Is it undecided or is it none of your business? Could be none of your business. Yeah. But if you're undecided, what does that even mean? What are you waiting for? What'll it take? (laughs) Final thoughts with Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Never before have so few done so little for no one in particular the armstrong and getty show it's your host joe getty let's get a final thought from everybody to wrap up the show marshall phillips what's your final thought well i'm about to go out and exercise my franchise and vote but i will not be bringing my traditional bag of cookies for the poll workers this time round I have been advised my prank would not be appreciated oh, this really? year. Oh, really? So where's the joy? Where's the fun? Is it considered like a bribe or something? No, everybody's uptight about security and what would be in the bag. And even though I've done it before, it's sort of like, nah, nah. Well, because of all the pole place cookie poisonings of the last several years. Boy, we're a fun society. What the hell happened in this country? Michelangelo, final thought. Yeah, we never got to the author, Mary Tall. She wrote the book, I Got Waterboarded, the story of one woman's election to the waterboard and how she neglected her family. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry, we had to bump her. Positive Sean, your final thought. <laughs> yes, I'm not here to tell you how to vote. I only recommend that you do. Oh, look at you. Jack, do you have a final thought? Sean's kind of above it all and puts me in a bad position. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to decide whether I'm healthy enough to race my son today. I might be. I gotta, I gotta put him in his place quick before, I get, before he gets any faster and I get any slower. 
I'm actually going to wear tennis shoes for this and stretch and take it seriously, though, and run as hard as I can. Because I think I have to. Even if you're a, a red person in a blue state or vice versa, get out and vote for the local issues, the county issues, etc. It's important. I, my final thought, uh, the runner-up was H.L. Mencken's quote that uh, democracy is a pathetic belief in the collective wisdom of individual ignorance. That was the runner-up. Runner my winner is democracy is the theory that the common people know what they want and deserve to get it good and hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. As the saying goes, it's the worst choice except for all the others. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Democracy is the worship of jackals by jackasses. <laughs> awesome. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can email us. What do you think? And Mailbag we'll be, at armstrongandgetty.com. We'll sure be talking results tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Bye-bye. Vardy, American, Asiago, Barscapone. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.